0: More important is just getting all the input and people you can talk to, right? And, you know, if you have a community where a lot of folks you know and folks that you know who you might might know, you know, you can go out and ask them, you know, questions you're thinking about, you know, what's the right product, right? Or what's the right story around value proposition? Or, you know, having safe conversations on, you know, if you were a buyer in the market, what would get you to yes? And these are all huge questions for SaaS founders to get to very quickly so they can really nail their product market fit and then you know, start that very quick ramp of growth for their business.
1: Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those who don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel. With your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globe-trotting adventurer, let's go. Jeff Maines. Hey, let's go. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where sales without client success is like stuffing money in a pocket that's full of holes. I'm your host, Jeff Mains. Well, a couple of weeks back, I was out at Saster and met a number of you there, and that was a real highlight for me. The event itself was very well run. I loved it being outside again this year and met some amazing, amazing people. I learned about some new SaaS solutions that I didn't even know existed, got some demos there, and we're actually going to use a few of those things that I found there. Most of the sessions I went to were pretty good, and I came back with about 70 pages of notes and uh, that surprises some people, but I still learn a ton of things. And a dozen really good ideas, and a couple of those I've implemented already. So if that sounds interesting, drop me a note, and I'll send you a quick video recap of my top three takeaways from Saster 2022. Well, in last week's episode, we talked with Art Shake, founder and CEO of Circle It, a generational platform that allows users to send a message to the future and be there long after they're gone. It's really a very cool solution. You should check it out. I'm a user. And if you missed it, there are some exceptional entrepreneurial insights from someone who never thought he would be an entrepreneur. He's really good at it. But passion changes things, you know? And now Art has seen countries and islands that he's never even heard of using CircleIt. And that's just awesome. So if you missed it go back and give it a listen it will absolutely rock your world and uh, get Circle it as well your family will thank you for generations to come My guest this week is Mike Red chief marketing officer of quala.io a customer success platform for SaaS businesses that is powered by intelligence mind from interactions between customers and frontline teams way way cool it makes your customer success reps way smarter, much faster. Prior to Quala, Mike led the marketing team at a SaaS leader I'm pretty sure you've heard of, a little place called Constant Contact. Before that, Mike was in a variety of strategy and new business initiative roles, including strategy consulting at Bain & Company. He's with us to talk marketing strategy and help you up-level your market presence. Welcome, Mike Red. Hey, Mike, welcome to SaaS Fuel. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for
0: having me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely.
1: Well, tell me a little bit about your background, You know where you've come from, the businesses you've built, and then uh, about Quala as well.
0: Sure, absolutely. So you know, right now, I'm the chief marketing officer at Quala. We're building a really exciting platform, primarily for customer success teams, to help them understand uh, their customer health, uh, draw some customer insights, which I'll, I'll get to in a moment, and help uh, manage those customers to success whether it's to help retain them um, if there's an upsell opportunity or if there's an education opportunity for those customers you know increasingly what we're finding among our customer base we're starting to expand a bit beyond just customer success and even into product teams is you know something that koala is doing is it's mining through all the conversation data the emails the chats the calls that these frontline teams are having with customers and we're helping our customers make sense of all that, right? Helping them quantify, you know, you're hearing about this new feature, this new capability, you know, should you build it in your product? Well, now we can actually mine through all that data and quantify how often does that topic come up? Which types of customers are raising that? You know, How valuable are those customers to the business overall? So it's a pretty exciting time. For Quala, you know, I love what we're doing at Quala, and that we're building a business. You know, we're a seed stage a startup um, ourselves. You know, we're serving many other businesses in the SaaS community broadly, uh, large and small. Um, so, you know, all those you know, challenges and opportunities of you know building a team, building a great product, and serving our customers every day. Before coming to Quala, I spent close to a decade at Constant Contact and our parent company, Endurance International. You know, my most recent role at Constant Contact was leading the marketing team there. So everything from, you know, brand building to demand generation to our website, you know, the stories that we're telling to our customers and really creating great brand advocacy with our small business uh, target customers and a variety of roles there. You know, one of the things I really prided myself on and, you know, got me so interested in Koala was launching new products and services there. And so whether it was, you know, a new plan for small businesses who were just starting out, you know, we did some testing on an offer that was for businesses that were specific to e-commerce and they needed a more advanced email marketing capability and even, you know, some special services to help them to get to success more like what you'd see in financial services, but you know what we call the marketing advisor service where, you know, small business owners who are super busy uh, could talk to somebody periodically and get help on their marketing. As well as some, you know, higher end uh, do it for me services. So, you know, really pride myself in helping to build, and launch uh, new things, which has been a, a big story throughout my career.
1: That's great. I mean, building, launching, that's a lot of what the, the audience is, is about. Great. And uh, we're all on the, that same journey together of building awesome tools. And, and I think you bring up a really interesting point about the, the data that we have. So we're, we're probably all sitting on you know, lots and lots of data but it's not just the, the quantity, but it's about the, the quality and the, the gold nuggets that are buried in there. So what is it that, that you do to bring that out and, uh, and use that to make decisions?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's part and parcel to what, you know, our secret sauce is at Koala, right? So getting input from our customers, you know, just a simple question, right? So what are we hearing from our customers, right? And so that's typically, you know, frontline teams talking to, you know, their managers, whether sales manager, customer success, a leader, on you know what their teams are hearing um, and trying to make sense of that story. But even in this day and age of so much data, it's remarkably, you know, anecdotal, right? Which can make it difficult to make big choices based on you know what we're hearing on the call. Yes, definitely. Right. Yeah. So exactly. And so that's you know a big piece of the quali platform. We hear what we want to hear, right? Yeah, exactly. Or what you heard yesterday, right? It's hard to to make sense of, you know, over the six months, you know, on average, what am I really hearing about and what is the most important things? For our customers, and so that's a, a huge thing uh, that we're looking to solve. Um, we do that by you know mining through all that you know messy qualitative data. You know, one thing we talk to you know our prospects and customers about all the time is you know how often have you been through all those notes in Salesforce that your team is keeping. I mean, it's a goldmine of customer insight, prospect insight, right there, and who's going through. All that, right? You know, certainly not the the CEO, right? You know, very hard for sales leadership. Very hard for customer success leadership, <laughs> right?
1: Right, right. For most of us, the answer is nobody. Right, right, and exactly. Like one, we're lucky if, if the sales reps actually put it in there. For one, uh, so getting them to put in the notes. Yeah, exactly. And then you know it goes in there, but does anybody do anything with it? And for for most of us, the answer is no, not really. So I, I love that that you're able to, to actually get that out.
0: Right. You know, super important for, you know, the reps themselves in serving individual customers. But yeah, exactly. At a bigger question level, it's hard to go through all of that.
1: Right. Especially at volume. Right. You know, if, if you have a, a number of reps or a number of contacts, how do you aggregate all that data together? And then what is signal versus what is noise?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's a great point you raised there, Jeff. You know, especially with, you know, when we're talking to our customers. There is that tipping point, you know, on you know some of our customers on the smaller end of things, you know, they're not quite feeling that pain of you know, overwhelmed by signals. You know, businesses where you know, many folks can listen in to every single, single call uh, that their sales team might be having. You know, once you get to that point where you can't hear every call, which is not that far down the life cycle of a business, then you start you know, relying more on these anecdotes. And that's really where we're seeing in the market, you know, gosh, we really need something to help us make sense of um, what we're really hearing about out there because we need to make choices on what goes on our product every day. You know, what's the best customer experience we can deliver out there? And that's all important feedback that's you know really free to the business if you can harness it. So from
1: a, a marketing perspective, you've come from a really interesting marketing background, constant contact. What types of marketing experiences have you brought to, to your existing role? And then what kind of advice would you give to other SaaS founders?
0: Sure, absolutely. So, you know, a big... So there's a few different facets of, of marketing. You know, one of the things that we... Put quite a lot of energy into it. Koala is you know what we'd call thought leadership and you know giving back to our broader audience, you know, creating value for them in a way that you know we can uniquely provide value with the goal that you know great brand recognition ultimately over time is gonna you know draw folks in, into our funnel of course, but really being a participant in this audience. And so you know koala has a community, you know, our humans of customer success community with a number of different customer success leaders, you know, over a thousand at this point, from you know VP level folks to customer success managers themselves who are learning more about the industry. And we pride ourselves in being able to uh, pull together a panel of really interesting uh, leaders from that community about every you know four to six weeks, you know, answering a question or a topic that is of interest to our community and you know, doing that for free for not only folks who are in our community today, but anybody else who is interested in the topics we're covering. You know, we always have great conversations. Our panelists are always amazing. You know, we field questions throughout the discussion from the audience. Folks can submit them anonymously if they like. So if they're kind of a little bit shy about, you know, someone not going to like my question or not, they can do that to really get to the heart of, you know, questions they might be thinking about on, you know, how their business might handle customer success or how their business might handle specific types of customers in their population that they're looking to serve or even questions, you know, if you're a more junior person, you know, how do you develop into a customer success leader as they're hearing from these, you know, customer success VPs in the panel. So, it's a, a great show. I hope we put on for folks. You know, tying back to the original question, you know, the advice for uh, SaaS leaders is, you know, finding that audience and engaging that audience and even if it's not driving, you know, direct business, which is another huge part of, you know, the marketing brain, even if it's not driving direct business. You know, finding ways to connect that to how that can help build your funnel, right? You know, funnel building was a huge piece of what we did at Constant Contact, very high volume, B to SMB funnel with, you know, everything you expect, you know, very complex, you know, ad channel mix, high converting website, you know, engagement with folks during trial, live humans on our sales team, you know, for the right folks to get them over our our pay gates. So there's a lot of different pieces of that. Um, But that all starts with being, you know, a very well-respected brand in the marketplace
1: that makes a lot of sense how important is community for SaaS founders
0: yeah i think it's very important because it's it's multifold i think it's a really interesting question so you know one you know having an audience of potential prospects right is the most obvious answer but a very close runner up or maybe even more important is just getting all the input and people you can talk to right and you know if you have a community where a lot of folks you know and folks that you know who you might know, you know, you can go out and ask them, you know, questions you're thinking about, you know, what's the right product, right? Or what's the right story around value proposition, or, you know, having safe conversations on, you know, if you were a buyer in the market, what would get you to yes, and these are all huge questions for SaaS founders to get to very quickly so they can really nail their product market fit, and then, you know, start that very quick ramp of growth for their business.
1: That's good. How do you think marketing has changed over the the past years?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so that is a a great question. So I think, you know, marketing is very strategic and there's many different angles around marketing. I mean, especially in a SaaS business, especially as a a growing SaaS business, you know, marketing is really at the center of that product market fit, right? So it's really where the rubber hits the road between the product we're building and the audience you're building it for, and will they say yes you know, on a purchase decision? So marketing, you know, I can't speak to you know, more than a decade back before that, but that's a, a huge part of the role right now and how you see many CMOs you know, coming to market with a very strategic mindset on you know, the markets we want to play in, the customers we want to win, and what's the winning value prop, um, working hand-in-hand hand with you know, their leadership peers in product, customer ops and sales to deliver you know a great experience and a great product to customers so so that's really important you know certainly on the funnel creation side there's just so much data there's so many different you know ways to get in front of your audience online it's almost overwhelming amount of data right so making sense of you know what are the the real signals and the noise even with all that data there's still judgment calls you have to make it's not a perfect uh, rote formula where you know dollars in equals all these dollars out or that's what you're ultimately trying to get to is the math all around that, but that becomes complicated with many different touch points and you know prospects who've seen a variety of different ads and variety of different things that influence them online, which is more than just ads, right? It's every interaction, everybody they speak to that's landing that impression of what that business is and that and who that is. So, you know, that I think is pretty complex online world, offline world, and bring that all together. There's always been super important, you know, the story that you're telling to your customers, you know, the brand and who you're trying to be. And um, it's closely tied to this touch point idea. You know, brand is not just the, you know, create a few slides and here's our pitch line and here's who we want to be. You know, brand is really everything that the business does. You know, again, every single interaction is creating a, a sense of what the brand is from the commercial they see to you know, what happens when they receive their bill. And how they feel when they receive their bill. And so all those different touch points uh, have to come into, you know, a, a modern marketer's mind on you know, what they're trying to, to develop in the market. So I don't know if that's different than it was, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, but those are all super important things I'd say today. And I'm sure it's been an evolution, especially as all these digital channels have become more and more important.
1: Right. It's definitely more channels than there there ever have been, probably more ways to reach people. What do you think the hardest or the biggest challenges are in, uh, for marketers of uh, SaaS companies?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there is a bunch, right? So there are, you know, it's really easy to spend bad dollars uh, as a marketer, right? And so it can be very tempting to...
1: Oh, I've done that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And whether you're a SaaS marketer or <laughs> any, any kind of marketer, right? Yeah, I'm sure can, that
1: we all have it it's at one point or another.
0: Right. So, you know, you can pour a lot of bad money into, you know, Google search terms that never convert and, you know, aren't really doing anything for your business. You know, you can have wild, crazy ideas of big, crazy brand campaigns that you put a ton of, you know, the team's energy and a ton of dollars behind where it's you know not entirely clear, you know, what that ultimately does for the business. And so there's a bit of, there's a great balance you need to have as far as being, you know, ruthlessly thorough on you know the expected you know roi return or what you're going to get for something even if it's immeasurable um and the effort you're putting in because in a world of scarce resources scarce teams you got to make sure you're making you know great bits that's every single time right that's true
1: so how does how do you go about finding the right fit the right targets and, uh, and the right ways to reach that audience
0: yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, there's a really close, important partnership that I recommend marketers have with their customer success leaders, right? I've, I've written a little bit on our, our blog at Quala.io on this. It's, you know, getting to the bottom of no, no customer, I'm going to say good and bad here, but don't take it like they're bad, evil people, right? There are customers that are a great fit for the product, and there's customers that aren't a great fit for the product. And it's really important to quickly understand who are the customers who are going to have the most success with the product who are valuable for the business and really honing down who those folks are. And that will often transcend, you know, far deeper than you know simple demographics or simple characteristics, right? So getting down to, you know, those traits certainly important, but working with the customer success teams on identifying, hey, here's the tranche of customers who are having the most success and are the most valuable for the business. And then parsing apart, well, what makes them different from the folks who are not successful. And so that's, it's an art and a science, right? And so some of those data points will be very clear, and some will be less clear. You know, it's always helpful to go and talk to some of those customers, you know, to get a a better sense for, you know, what really makes them tick. Um, It could be their mindset, which could, you know, influence not just the channels that you're finding those customers in, but the way you're telling your story, right? Is it, you know, things that you might not find in the demographics, but you let the way you're telling the story uh, self-identify folks that you know that story is resonating with me and that's how folks will then enter the funnel
1: that makes a lot of sense that i mean all clients are not created equal and it's really being able to separate out those that are a really good fit and those that are are maybe not as good
0: a fit right yeah exactly exactly and i mean if you're getting the the less good fit folks for free which is probably unlikely then you know so be it as long as it's not draining resources but yeah in a, a world of resource prioritization if you can focus more of that energy on the customers that are going to be happier with you, stay longer and you know, ultimately drive more dollars for the business. That's where you have to place the bets.
1: And is that part of what the, the qualitative measurements are? So it's not, you know, if you have clients that are, are a bad fit and they're asking for features or wanting to take the product a certain direction and you have others that are a good fit and they want that, is that kind of what you're talking about with the, the qualitative is really understanding or weighting maybe those
0: different opinions? Yeah, yeah, sure. There's certainly the data within quality to help you understand that there's probably more we can do on getting to the, you know, the attributes that, you know, make a customer less healthy, you know, in our system, you know, some of those attributes today are are things that's hard to find in the marketplace, right? So uh, customers who are um, not using your product as much as they should be, or they're uh, getting stuck um, in certain flows in the product, you know, unless you can tie those that behavior to some other kind of demographic or um, other identifier of those customers, it can be hard to tie that back you know, to the market overall. But yeah, in so much as um, there's that data that's all in Quala, as far as the different characteristics and traits of each and every customer from, you know pulled them from a variety of systems all in one place, the data is all there to help have those conversations on, hey, here's what healthy customers look like and here's what our least healthy customers look like to help inform a marketer about, you know, how you go find the ones that look more healthy.
1: Oh, that's really good. We're going to take a quick sponsor break and when we come back, we're going to talk to Mike about the importance of having an irresistible offer right after this. You ever feel like you're in uncharted waters or maybe you wish there was a checklist or clear path to follow for your stage of growth? Well, we are one. Champion Leadership Group helps SaaS founders scale from 1 million to 10 million to 20 million and well beyond. Only one in 40,000 companies grows to $10 million in revenue. The rest stay small or die along the trail. Building a business is treacherous if you go alone. Instead, travel with experienced SaaS founders and expert guides who help chart your course to consistent results, impact, and freedom while providing support every step of the way. Create your free SaaS growth map at championleadership.com. And we're back now with Mike Red from Koala. And uh, we are talking about irresistible offers. And what is it that makes an offer irresistible to clients? And how do we create those as SaaS founders?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the name of the game, this is true, and the offer, and really think of it throughout your funnel is, you know, how do you remove as much friction as possible, right? So, really putting yourself in the prospect's shoes. And thinking about you know what is friction, right? So friction is prices is sh- certainly friction. You know early on in the experience, anything that feels hard or uncertain or something I need to um, spend a lot of time learning about or setting up, you know, is friction. And so you know for a SaaS founder, really thinking about what those friction points are for their audience and finding ways to quash them, right? So you can quash them with. You know, in your marketing and addressing them head-on, right? So you know, every great you know site is going to have the ROI stats on you know if you buy this thing, here's how great it is, and here's the great return you're going to get, how quickly you can get re- that return, and a whole bunch of happy customers. So certainly that it can be getting ahead of. Ooh, it sounds scary on integrations. You know, I don't want to do that work. So making it clear on you know how easy those integrations are to set up. And if you ever do get stuck, you know, what, what we say is, you know, our customer success team will help you and do that all for you. So to, to remove that friction. So Qual has been doing quite a bit of testing.
1: That's really nice.
0: Yeah, thank you. And so we've been doing quite a bit of, of testing on, you know, what is that irresistible offer? And for our platform, you know, we found that, you know, some customers um, just want to, to have it and try it and make sure that they're comfortable and that they understand that it isn't as scary of a learning curve. As they might think and you know of course that that's what we're marketing so you know we've been testing a a free trial in our software which will let folks get all up and running get everything set up get all the integrations going get all the data coming in mine through all that data hopefully get to some great conclusions and that you know all completely free you know no credit card required so completely putting the price friction to the side so they see the value they believe the value and then, you know, when you get to the, the discussion on price at the end of the trial, it should you know, ideally be a no brainer for folks that, yeah, I've already gotten vi- value out of this and the price is well worth the value I'm getting from it. So that's a bit of how you think about removing the friction with an irresistible offer.
1: That's really smart and making, you're really just making it super easy to do business with you. Right. And so if they, they're looking at two competing solutions and one is, is really easy to try and implement. And, uh, and get set up. And the other one, there are different hurdles that you have to jump through or jump over to get going. Then, uh, you know, what are they going to choose? Yeah, exactly. So that's really what makes it irresistible.
0: Yeah. And what makes our, you know, many folks out of trial, right? That's not <laughs> a brand new concept. I think what is... Yeah, that's not too unique. What, what's a bit unique for us is that, you know, we we treat that trial like you're a paying customer, right? So full access to our... A customer success team, you know, help with the onboarding uh, to get you up and going and to success because we know you're going to love it. And we take that friction away that you're going to stick around with us.
1: Oh, That's good. So if, uh, if we've got, uh, people that are listening and are having challenges, they, they may get people to sign up for free, but then they don't convert or they don't move forward or kind of get stuck in the process. What would you tell them? What advice would you give?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, really important to learn, you know, through each of one of those conversations, right? And so, you know, depending on how much human interaction is in that experience versus, you know, going for a full e-commerce conversion, you know, there's different ways you can get that information, right? And so if you have a, a sales touch in that trial, you know, that you need to be working with your sales team so that they know that, you know, their primary mission is to get customers to success in a conversion, but it's really important to get that feedback back into the system right? Are there parts of the product experience where those travelers are getting stuck? Are there parts of the experience overall where they're confused and don't know what to do? And identifying whatever those other friction points are once you get a little bit deeper there and to then go address those, right? If you have a primarily online experience, there's a, a few different tools you could use to, you know, pop an in-app survey to get feedback. If it feels like someone's getting stuck in a flow uh, to get that feedback on, you know, why are you stuck or what is, why aren't you progressing? Through the flow, or to get even just a rating on their experience overall, um, and again, there's no substitute for you know getting back in touch with somebody, especially you know for earlier stage founders. You know, talking to as many customers and prospects as possible is just uh, absolute gold, so that you're building uh, the right thing. I think
1: that's really smart, especially. I mean, you you said it, and that's actually having those conversations. So it's not taking the easy way out and sending them a, a survey or you know fill this out, but actually having meaningful conversations back and forth and understanding what's underneath that. So that the real why.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah.
1: Well, I like what you're doing with the trials as well. It's something that's really unique. I, I don't think I've, I've heard before, certainly not often enough, is actually treating those trials like paying clients. Right. So that, that they have access to your team and, you know, you're really walking them through the process. It's not just to sign up and 14 days from now we'll see what happens. You're actually guiding that process through. So I think that's really, really unique.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, it's not just to get those prospects to success, you know, in really being hand in hand with our customers. You know, what the, the real name of the game is well, how do you self enable prospects to do all of that work on their own? And, you know, we find that when we're doing that hand in hand with our customers, we can really more deeply understand, hey, this part of the experience is actually pretty hard. And we know exactly how it should look. And so are there, how do we put more technology and more investment on those pieces of the experience to help get prospects over the, the hump? Because we would love for that to be a total, don't need to talk to anybody, right? So you come in, start your trial, get to success, you know, in, enjoy your, your 30 days free. And then at the end of that, you know, continue on with us. And great if they engage with somebody, but they don't have to if they don't need to, right?
1: And I think that's really smart because what you're doing is you're identifying those points of friction so that you can address them. And so over time, maybe it becomes less and less involvement. Exactly. But uh, you're putting the time on the front end, so you're not doing it forever.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That'll make it scalable over time.
1: Yes, I think a lot of us do the opposite. We try and automate it all first, and then you know try and clean it up on the back end instead of making that initial investment. Right. And really understanding what are the things, where are the friction points going to be? What do we need to do to make this a great experience? And once we know that, then we can automate it instead of the other way around.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense the where you, you frame that.
1: So with product market fit, this is something we hear a lot about. And, uh, you know, love to hear from marketing people about this. How do you know if you have product market fit? And that, you know, what do you do with that once you do?
0: Yeah, yeah. And there, I'm, there's so many, you know, articles and resources and opinions on it. You know, it's really when, in as few words possible, you can explain you know, the value prop that you have to your prospect and the prospect raises their hand and says, I need that. That's exactly the pain I have and I need to move forward with that. You know, a great phrase you know, that I, I had heard is you're looking for uh, painkillers, not vitamins out in the market, right? And so let me unpack that and I can't take credit- That's a good one. For the quote, but I, I love the idea and its simplicity that you, know, you have to be solving a pain. For somebody because if you're solving a pain it's clear that it's worth their mind share to go and get that thing solved right vitamins can be things that you know fall a little bit down the priority list because it's not burning right so everybody out there i'm sure can think of you know the three four five things they have burning and you need to go fix those and anything that's not you know real pain um, falls below that that priority list and so once you have that you know clear pain a clear solution that's how you know you're getting closer to product market fit. You know, we like to think in terms of very specific use cases. So kind of breaking out of the kind of the big thoughts, uh, part of the dynamicism for founding teams and, and for a CMO is, you know, knowing where you're going, but it has to start with a very specific use case you're solving today. So what is the very specific pain for a very specific user and breaking past, you know, it's companies aren't users, right? And so you might have your target company, but you have to think about the individual in that company who is your buyer who is going to buy into that value prop and if that's different from the individual who is going to be the user of the software and having the right messaging for those folks and so you need to have um, all those different pieces come together to really nail uh, that product market fit and you know i'd encourage folks to get as granular as you can with that right because anytime you're not you know laser focused on that you know target user or the target buyer You create just a little bit of wiggle room where that person might not see themselves in the solution, right? And so it's fine to start laser precise and build that over time or add other target users to your your target audience there. But starting as precise as possible is a key to success, I'd say.
1: And how important is it, the languages you're using with those prospects?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great point. I mean, you really have to meet your prospects. Your words versus their words. Yeah, exactly. You know, with the words that they're using. I mean, even, you know, some of the language you're using in Koala, you know, that is you know largely taken verbatim from what we heard from, you know, customers first in talking to customers and prospects about what we're building and then launching it. Um, and the terms they kept using with us was, you know, I need a frontline intelligence solution. I'm getting all these different signals from my team. And it's a lot of noise and I can't find the signal for the noise. And so, you know, that's where you know, we came up with the term frontline intelligence, but it was really the, the words that we kept hearing over and over and all from folks we were talking to. So that's, you know, part of what we put into our story and that, you know, we hear from folks that it resonates with them of, yeah, that's the thing. And that frontline intelligence is what I'm trying to, to use to inform both what I'm doing for the business, but then, you know, my other leadership peers throughout the company that, you know, I'm so connected to the front line. I can make a sense of that. And so the language is super important. You know, it was very important during my time at Constant Contact, you know, working with small business customers of, you know, a very, you know, we call it, you know, a meat and potatoes messaging, you know, folks uh, don't want the frilly, catchy catchphrase, like, I don't have time to unpack this, I need you to tell me what you're doing. All right, you're helping me send emails to my customers. And if they click an email, they might buy something awesome. <laughs> I, I have the message there and I understand it. Right. And so I think that helped constant contact really cut through what are a lot of messages out in the marketplace on, you know, everybody's claiming it's easy and it's free out there in the marketplace where, you know, for a small business owner, it wasn't easy. Everything you know was tempting that it looked free, but wasn't really free at the end of the day. And you could accidentally spend a lot of money on something that didn't really do much for your small business and wasted a lot of time in the process. So we are trying to be the opposite of that.
1: So as you look at, at frontline intelligence, you know, growing teams is, is part of that as well. I know that's been a, a big thing for you at Koala. How have you attracted talents? How do you grow teams? What do you look for?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, team is everything, right? And so it's the, the multiplying factor across everything you do. You know, I like to have a good you know, network of folks that even if I'm not looking for a specific role at the moment that I know where I would hunt for that role, either for people who might be interested in coming to us in Koala or folks that they might know who could be interested. You know, I believe that you find great folks through other great folks, so networking is super important instead of staying connected um, out there. You know, not just with uh, your close friends and family and prior colleagues, but you know, trying to go to you know different meetups where you'll rub shoulders with uh, other folks across any type of role, right? So certainly, you know, folks who could be a senior leader on the team, but also, you know, that, you know, the manager of digital, right, who you need to implement your great SEO strategy, right? So where the rubber, or paid search strategy, so where the rubber really hits the road, right? And so, and then in the, in the recruiting process, you know, having a pretty well-rounded process where you know, you're having those individuals who are in, in the process Uh, Speak to a number of folks so you get a few different angles on that. So, you know, typically in my approach, you know, I like to, of course, talk to the candidate myself uh, early on, uh, but then have the candidate talk to key members of my team uh, to get their read on it. uh, Speak to folks who they'll be working with in other parts of the business, so not just in marketing. So, kind of get that outside in, you know, how would this person fit in working on cross functional things or fit in with the system overall, you know, depending on the level of the role, if it's a more senior role or one of my direct reports, you know, having them uh, speak to to my boss, right? So to get that kind of outside in view on kind of leadership fit, you know, fit of making our whole organization stronger, and then, you know, have another conversation of two or two with that candidate throughout that process. So I'm getting a read and I'm filling in some of the the blanks that, you know, maybe my team is saying, hey, didn't get to dive, to dive into this as much, would love to to explore that. And so all while trying to make that process as quickly as possible so that, you know, prospects in the recruiting cycle know whether they're in or out and they can, you know, balance their time accordingly for the right role. I covered a ton, a ton there. So,
1: <laughs> Yes, yes, that's a lot. Yeah, employee productivity, bringing them on is, uh, is, is important. What is your favorite productivity hack
0: that you could share with, uh, with other SaaS founders? My favorite productivity hack? Gosh, it's such a simple one. And I'm sure there is more complex ways. Simple is good. We can implement simple. Simple is good. You know, a very simple hack that I use is, I know not everybody's using email all the time, especially with, you know, the evolution of Slack. Uh, but when you're working with folks outside of your immediate company, you know, we still use uh, email with prospects and what have you. You know, I use the Google snoozes quite a bit just to repop, uh, emails that you know I might get today, and I want to make sure that hey, I want to give this person a few days to digest, but I have to get back to them on a Thursday or a Friday if I haven't heard back from them, and just snooze them, pop them right back in my email, which I'll see you know first thing in the in the morning, and get back to those folks. I know there's much more sophisticated tools to keep track of those types of things, but it makes it very real because it's part of that conversation stream for me right in my inbox. That's really
1: good. Yeah, I like simple because those are things that we can implement and use.
0: Cool. Great.
1: So what other tools, I mean, you got to Google Snooze, what other tools are indispensable for your job that you use every day?
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned, we use Slack quite a bit. So probably pretty par for the course. So a lot of Slack, a lot of Zoom.
1: Yeah, we do as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's less a tool and more of a a methodology. I would say that, you know, we as a team, and we were working on this too at Constant Contact, you know, trying to minimize the set meetings in a day so that there is time to actually get the work done. But then more importantly, you know, creating a culture of, you know, let's impromptu get together on these things, right? And so if there's something that I'm working through, the team's working through, you know, Slack me, check in on, you know, the question, if we can't answer it, let's just hop on a quick Zoom, right? So more so for bigger companies that kind of get in the habit of 30 minute meeting blocks, you know, it's amazingly valuable, to impromptu uh, zoom on something, have a five minute conversation rather than writing a lengthy email or a lengthy Slack chain, just talk about something for five minutes, solve it, and then get back to what you're working on. So less of a tool and more of a methodology uh, for productivity it gets super important once you have a uh, larger teams, right? And more folks that you're working with. You know, we've used for marketing, we've used Trello boards, even though it's you know typically more of a product management, project management, type thing. So we we've used Trello sure. to codify for a few different things. So to keep track of different elements of our marketing calendar, but also to codify you know, what is evolving. You know, best practice feels so corporate y. But some of these things, you know, we're learning quickly how to do them for the first time and we know we're going to do them again. But you know, tracking the, you know, here's the 10 things for us, you know, for instance, I talked a little bit about you know, the events we run with our community. You know, there's a series of very tactical steps that we need to make sure we check through you know, each and every time we do that. And so having that in, in Trello on a card, we can just you know copy on, hey, now we just checked through our, our 10, 15 steps for our next event, just saves a ton of re-remembering and a ton of, of cycle time overall. So I'm sure many folks are using Trello as well. So I don't think that's rocket science there. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's a, a good use for it, and just having that the process, especially for something like that that's repeatable, that you can hand off, that you actually have a place to go back and record those lessons learned. Yeah, exactly. And you can use them next time. I think a lot of times we learn those lessons, and then unfortunately, at least in in my case, and a lot of people in my world, is we get to relearn those lessons because we didn't document them very well.
0: Right, and especially you know for you know the founders out there you know you're you're measuring your time in, in dog years right so the amount of things you're doing over the course of 30 days is is pretty massive and so even if you just did it a month ago it feels like an eon ago sometimes
1: oh absolutely well how do you continue to to sharpen your skills how do you make time to to continue learning while you're leading
0: yeah absolutely so you know i'm big on you know conversations and people right and so it's you know, observing your teammates and things that you know they're doing, uh, the way they're leading, their approaches. You know, getting feedback from your team periodically. You know, in all directions, right? So from you know, the team you're managing to your peers, uh, the person you're reporting to. So asking for feedback if you have specific questions or you know identifying areas where you're looking to grow, uh, to make sure you're digging in to those and being a place where you you know you're ready to get. Uh, feedback and you're ready to absorb and get better. So you know it starts with you know talking to the people you're working with. It's always a great practice to talk to folks outside of the walls of your business, which I'm sure you know many of the entrepreneurs out there are doing. Ask them questions about how they're approaching problems, both the you know the hard problems of well, how do I create more funnel for my business to you know the soft things, right? So I have my team is growing exponentially. How do I keep everybody on the same page and make sure they're all you know, the culture and ethos of the business that I'm trying to build, right? So having conversations with as many folks as you can uh, that look like that, you know, I I like to go through, you know, a periodic rotation. So, you know, over the course of, you know, six months, I'll talk to uh, many folks uh, and then I kind of go back to my rotation. I have a few folks that I talk to a lot more regularly uh, within that uh, rotation uh, to get their feedback. And, and to let those folks know that you know that's certainly you know a two way thing, right? That anytime they have those questions, that they should come to you for input and advice, because that's often how you you learn just as much by answering their questions and thinking about the things they're thinking about uh, for your own development. Certainly, a ton of you know stuff online uh, you can read as well, right? On your your spare reading time. So you know I, I have a number of different publications that I uh, subscribe to online kick around competitor sites quite a bit and try to just absorb uh, as much as I can.
1: Oh, that's really smart. So how big is your inner circle?
0: Let's see, it is, my tightest inner circle is probably on the order of like five or 10 people who are my most trusted go-tos. That expands, you know, pretty big outside of that. Thinking of all the, the people I've worked with and folks I've been in touch with, you know, through the people they've worked with. Sure. But that, my innermost circle is pretty tight, I would say.
1: Yeah, that, that's pretty smart. What's the best advice you've received from some of those people, and, and what was the effect of that, or the impact?
0: Yeah, I would say that I think best advice was pretty recent, and it was a bit of a you know, when, you, when you're grappling with a new business problem, you know, you want to tackle it from all different different angles, right, and think of new and novel ways to approach it and i was speaking to a mentor of mine about 2 weeks back uh, without going into details of you know the situation we were talking about but it was a bit of an eye opening you know don't overthink it right it could be that the obvious answer is the answer and just go execute on that right and you know as you know i have and i'm sure everybody out there has as well you learn along the way and you change course along the way but it was you know simply don't don't cast aside the most obvious answer and sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer.
1: That is really, really good advice. Yeah, we, we try and make things really complicated and sometimes they're just really simple.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> That's good.
1: Well, Mike, I've really enjoyed a conversation today. Where can people learn
0: more about you and more about koala? Sure. So you know, check out our website. It's koala.io. You can learn all about you know what we're up to there. You can find me on LinkedIn. So, you know, happy to engage with anybody. You can send me a message on LinkedIn or, or friend me on LinkedIn. And yeah, those are probably the, the two answers to that.
1: Excellent. And we will link all of those and everything mentioned here in the show notes. And I really enjoyed the conversation, Mike.
0: Excellent. And thank you for being on the show. Great. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks.
1: Thanks again to Mike for coming on the show and sharing your insights and resources. Learn more about Mike Red and Koala at koala.io. As always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sassfuel.com. Please subscribe or follow us at sassfuel.com. It's free. And remember, every time someone new subscribes, 26 moths fly into an on-premise server and another company switches to a SaaS alternative. So make that happen. Subscribe today. Join us next week for our conversation with Anne Ching, CEO of Supercharged Labs. Ann is a serial entrepreneur who has sold two of her previous startups and pays it forward. Passionate about innovation, social enterprise, and humanitarian causes, all of which I love, Ann spends her time helping small businesses improve their efficiency and build sustainable innovations that can impact humanity. It's a great conversation with someone who is humble, incredibly wise and just such a joy to talk with so come back check it out next week and until we meet again enjoy the journey